Hi everyone and welcome to my creative podcast. My name is Cindy, I'm the host of this show and today I would like to introduce you to Beatrice. Beatrice Tokayer is an interior designer specialized in sensory needs for atypical children. In our conversation, we talked about going against our parents' lead to get to a path that takes us to create meaningful spaces. Hi Beatrice. Hi. Thank you so much for taking some of your time to come and talk to me today on the show. Um, I really appreciate it. Can you please, before we start, can you please introduce yourself? Can you please give us your full name, where you live, and what is your job? So my name is Beatrice Tokayer. I live in Englewood, New Jersey, and I am a sensory interior designer. Nice. And before we jump into your creativity, do you remember the 10-year-old Beatrice? Do you remember which type of human you were back then? Yeah, I really do. I was um, I was chubby. I was <laughs> shy. I remember, you know, liking to do things with my hands and doing a lot of art projects. That was the 10-year-old me. I was a little bit more quiet. Yeah. And do you remember what you wanted to do when you grew up back then? So at the time, I didn't have any dreams of what I wanted to do when I grew up. But I remember in high school, um, my parents, who are immigrants, always told me, you need to do something in science because science is stable and science is always going to um, give you a paycheck every two weeks. And so you need to study science. And so I knew no matter what that I had to go into science. I see. Um, so you were pushed into this um, more pragmatic field, I would say. Or did you find a way to find like creativity with it, this science path? So I got a bachelor's of science in psychology and I did not find any creativity in that. Um, but I did work um, in the dental field and I found creativity in, you know, creating dentures and using the artistic aspect of that. And mm -hmm. so that was very fulfilling for me. But the other part of this dental field did not appeal to me. And I just, I wasn't passionate about it. So it was just a matter of time before I left. I see. So how do you were when you decided, uh, this is not the right path for me right now? Um, so that was, I want to say, three years into working in that field where I said, I, I just, I can't do it anymore. If I imagine myself doing this for the rest of my life, I think I'll go crazy because I feel like my time is just, it's not fun and you can work and make money, but it's not, it's not the same as loving what you do. Yeah. So you decided after, so maybe you watch it, 25, 27 year old, and you're like, you know what? No, I'm gonna change. I don't know. I'm gonna do a full rotation and just move to another direction. 
No, not even. It kind of landed. Um, it just kind of happened randomly where somebody asked me if I got a decorator for my condo. And I said, actually, no, I did it. And then some th- that person said, oh, you should do this professionally. And so it kind of, you know, made me realize, well, maybe I should. So I started to study, you know, on my free time, and I slowly transitioned into interior design. Really? Wow. So did you go to any, like, art school, or you were just, like, you learn everything on your own? No, no, no. I took I took several courses. Um, I got, uh, I did online learning for interior design, but I decided that if I'm going to be switching careers, then I'm not going to be a mediocre designer. I'm going to be the best of the best that I can be. And by the way, that's like the immigrant parents in my head, you know, like being hard on me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I decided I was going to be like the best of the best. So not only did I do interior design, but I studied all these computer programs that would help me in design and drafting and rendering and 3D because you know, once you dive into a new field, it could be very scary. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to have all the information possible. I see. And so when you decided that you wanted to change jobs, how your family reacted to that? Because they pushed for like you going to science. How did they react to you changing gears? Oh, they were not supportive. <laughs> But... Um, <laughs> Because we know that in this country, um, any education is very expensive. Even if you want to take some online classes, it's still like it's still expensive. How how did you manage? Because I can imagine on your own, not feeling any support. Like how you go through the day of being like, no, you know what? This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go and get it. Well, luckily, I have a very, very supportive husband, and he yeah, supported see. he supported my decision, um, and that was the most important thing for me. And I had been working on myself for a long time to understand that immigrant parents may um, put emphasis on academics, but life is not all academics. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a big part of this world that's creativity, and and that really spoke to me. Mm. So you mentioned doing this online class still while working, I guess, during your spare time. Yes. And how do you keep motivation? Because I can see myself today being like, I want to change gear and switch to another path, but because it's more on your spare time, you have more other things to do during the day, like how you sustain the motivation of making sure this is the right thing for you right now? It just, it just kind of felt right. And in the interior design course, there was a lot of um, working with your hands, you know, drawing, drafting, you had to submit assignments. Um, mm. and it was just It's really fun for me to, I'm the, because I'm creative, I get my energy out through my hands. And so it was actually a relief for me to be able to, you know, draft and, and draw floor plans and learn about that. And yeah. 
first it was really scary and I got anxious and I thought maybe, you know, it was the wrong move. But then I just, I kept kind of pushing myself. And Mm. when you find the right support, like my husband and friends, then I just kind of push through. And also because it's online and you could do it at your own pace, I didn't feel that pressure. Yeah, I see. So do you remember the first pace you made? I do. What was it? So it was... um, a friend from my son's school and I approached her and I said, you know, I'd love to design your space uh, for free and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we can work together. And, and that was amazing because I didn't feel pressured because I wasn't charging her and I was learning and, and that was an amazing experience. Yeah. So it was also to, I guess that to build your portfolio on what you can do and show people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so today you have your own business. I do. Um, was it difficult to create a business of your own? Or have you ever thought about maybe team up with like another designer to split, I guess, the challenge? So it was very difficult, very difficult. It doesn't mean that I don't recommend it. Yeah. Uh, it was it was difficult. And when I first started, I did contemplate working for a designer and I did contemplate working for a retail store and being their designer. I see. Um, I even applied to work at Havenly, which is an online design uh, service. Mm-hmm. And I had an interview with them and then I decided, you know, it doesn't doesn't speak to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I have a way of doing this and I, I want to see it through. So even though I suffered and it was really hard, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest challenge to start your own business in this field? First of all, everything that you learn, you know, in school about interior design is not really what you're going to learn in real life. And if you're going to start your own business, you're essentially alone. So you have to figure out who to surround yourself with and where where to find all the information, who to talk to. So that was the biggest, the most challenging part because someone who is well-connected with other designers, they know all the information, all the ins of interior design, whereas I was working in an office by myself. You know, mm. it was just sitting with myself and trying to figure out where I can get this information. Now I have it, but it took a while to get there. Yeah. How long you've been having your business for now? It's going to be about seven years. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. That's, yeah. That's, it, it's so refreshing to hear like starting something, figure out this is not for me learning on your own through like online courses and make it work, make it happen. It's, it's great. It's really great to hear. Thank you. Let's dive now into your creativity. You mentioned you are a sensory interior design. Can you try to explain to us what it is? Yes. So when I uh, decided to create the niche of sensory interior design, I created it because of my son, who has sensory sensitivities. And 
when I design a space for a child that has sensory needs or sensitivities, I look at the uh, color, the furniture placement, the lighting, and you know, I encompass the child's well-being as well as the family's in my design. I see. Wow. And so can you try to explain to us like the process of making just one space for a child? Yeah. Um, so what I do first is I speak with the parent over the phone. They describe to me their child's needs and, you know, the the routine in the house, if they have siblings, um, any extracurricular activities, uh, if they've been diagnosed with anything, then I go into the home and then I meet with the parents um, and we look at the space. So we look at the house and then we look at the room and we look at the playroom if they have any. And then I ask the parents about the child's needs and if they have any um, if they get angry, if they get sad, if they get anxious, and I figure out how to help the child and how to um, satisfy these sensory needs that they have in the home by creating a calm space or, you know, modifying their bedroom or creating an active space, you know, potentially in the basement if they have one to help the child um, regulate. I see. Do you have an example of an adaptation for a atypical kid, for example, that you work on that you can try to explain like how that differ from um, a regular interior design, for example? Sure. Um, so let's say you have a child that's neurotypical with no, no special needs or ADHD, nothing. You might create a room for him or her with a really fun wallpaper, right? Mm. And you might put like a funky light fixture and you might expose books and put things on the wall and you might, you know, put, um, I don't know, like a cool bed and uh, a rug and whatever it is in their room. But... Mm -hmm. If you have a child with sensory sensitivities, then you want to look at, do they, um, are, are they sensitive to light? So then you're going to put dimmers and you're going to look at whether the bedroom has cold lights or warm lights. Then you're going to look at whether the child is sensitive to clutter. So then you're going to design the room, you know, and make it a little bit more clean and not expose so much, right? Mm, and I then- see, yeah then you're going to choose to use wallpaper that's a little bit, you know, more, um, less pattern or a very soft pattern, or you might not even use wallpaper. And yeah. for a child with sensory sensitivities, what I tend to do is I actually go in stages where I change one thing at a time Um, because they often tend to have a difficult time with transitions. Yeah. So if you change the entire room all at once, then it might be overwhelming for them. Mm -hmm. Those are, you know, things that differ. Yeah. And so what would you say is uh, your favorite part of your job? Um, the favorite part, what's, I, I like it all. Yeah. Um, Because I like it all because it's not just one thing. You speak to clients, you speak to kids, you 
purchase items. You get to design it on, you know, on the computer. You get to order. You get to install. You know, all these aspects. But my favorite, favorite part is when the installation is finished and the parents are so excited and the kids are even more excited. (laughs) And when the parents tell you that the kids love it and they use it um, or that what you've predicted actually happens, that is so satisfying because that means yeah. there's there's method to my madness, you know, and <laughs> I know what I'm talking about because I have children with issues like this and and you know, I've been able to to help others. So it's very fulfilling. Yeah. And um there's a question that just popped my mind. So how how do you balance pragmatism and aesthetic look? How do you balance those two things together? Well, actually, uh, I act, so my, my, the rooms that I design are actually, they're, you know, I think that they're beautiful and they're very functional for the child, but the equipment, you know, initially when you look at a sensory gym in an OT office, right? Mm-hmm. Very bright. It's like a blue and purple Louis. and red and Louis. orange yeah. and I do not design like that. <laughs> so I actually look very, very hard to find equipment that goes along in one color scheme. So I pick, you know, my three or four colors and I go along that. But I, I look for very soft colors and they happen to be very aesthetically pleasing. At the same time, they're functional. So mm-hmm. My my designs do not look like a like an OT, you know, a typical <laughs> sensory gym. Mm. And uh, yeah, and now actually, I'll share some of your work on our website and on social media, so people can have a, an idea of um, your talented work. And uh, I think it does look nice, and it did uh, spike my eyes. So um, yeah, now I think it looks really really good. And so. Yeah. As of today, what do you think is your biggest accomplishment? I think my biggest accomplishment is being a sensory interior designer and being able to help parents and children. You know, you help the parents because their child is fulfilled and their child feels better and the parent feels better as a result because parents just want the best for their kids. So that is the biggest accomplishment for me to be able to share what I've discovered for myself, to be able to share and generalize that for others. Mm. Yeah. And no, it's, you know, you're a designer, but you're also a life coach in a sense, and sometimes um, a therapist, you know, in a oh, yeah, sensory yeah, yeah. way. And uh yes. I can see the fulfillment. I can see the creativity. I can see how it works well for you. And um, I think it's very inspiring, you know. Um, Also, I just want to add that, you know, coming from immigrant parents who are very, who are very, you know, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone that you had a tutor for chemistry. Don't tell anyone you got a tutor for math. I am, you know, the opposite. I am open and I love sharing. And on my Instagram account, for example, I share. I share about my children and about their difficulties because, 
you know, in the parent community, people don't share and people are scared to feel judged. So I share a lot. And that way, it also helps other parents relate to me. So, you know, with my clients, when I share with them, they they feel like, oh, my God, she gets me because mm. I'm going through the same thing. So it's more than just a design, you know? Yeah. So now... If we look back at young Beatrice, um, what would you say to her to get her through this, um, finding her creative path? I would tell her to just do what she likes and just to trust her judgment because I didn't trust my judgment. You know, I was always very good at the artistic stuff and business. And I liked science, but I I didn't have another option. So I would tell her to just fight for what I want to do. Mm. What advice would you give to someone who is aspiring to get into a creative field? Um, I would tell them to learn business. Uh, to learn the business world, to, you know, learn business administration, to know accounting, to learn all of that stuff, because you can't just be a creative. You There's, a, there's the business aspect behind it. And you want to be well-rounded in, in that, you know, in that career if you're going to be a creative. Yeah, I think that's a really good... Um... It's, yeah, it's a good advice because, yeah, you want to make sure you understand like the concept of income and expenses. I think <laughs> I think that's very important. Um, I think that was it for all my questions, Beatrice. I have one more though for you today. What is your favorite interior style? So I was thinking, you know, I've been thinking about that for a while. What is my favorite. And I would say I'm more transitional. I like transitional a lot, which is kind of like a, a mix of everything together. So you like, you like to mix texture, colors, materials. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not traditional and I'm not classic and I'm not contemporary. I, you know, I like to pick different styles sometimes and put them together. Mm. Yeah, no, I think, and you know, it goes with your cultural background, which is picking a little bit of each part of the word and, uh, you know, it defines you at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that that was it for me today, Beatrice. So um, thank you so much again for sharing with us your creative journey. And uh, I'll leave, of course, all your information in our website and in the description of this episode thank you thank you so much for having me this is the end of this episode i hope you really enjoyed it my takeaway for today is that it can be very hard to challenge ourselves but it can be even harder to challenge what our parents want us to do they want the best for us and make sure we can support ourselves and avoid their own struggles But what if we were made to achieve bigger things in life? Like, let's say, turning all over from scratch and building our own successful business. But let us know what your takeaway was from this episode. We love to hear your ideas and thoughts. 
you can reach out at mygriefpodcast.com. Thanks again to Beatrice for taking a little bit of her time to share her creative journey. We left all her info in the description of this episode. And if you like this show, please share with a friend and family. You can even subscribe to our newsletter to receive more creative info and tips every month. Thank you, and we'll talk to you very, very soon.